Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. What's up, Project Church? How we doing? Good to see you. My name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the blessing and uh, the privilege of sharing with you from God's Word today. If you have your Bibles, go to Jeremiah chapter 32. I'm going to be reading from there here in a moment. But I wanted to set this up. We're starting an all-new series called Our Indomitable Future. Everybody say indomitable. Now say it five times fast. Indomitable, indomitable, I can't do it. Uh, We're starting this new series. The tagline is all in so we can win. And what we believe and what I believe is that for a long time, because like a lot of you are millennials, some of you, and, and we're, we're notorious for not being as committal. We don't want to commit to anything because five minutes later something better might happen or might come along, a better opportunity, uh, a better perspective. And so we don't want to commit. But man, I believe that in this season in our church, we need a people to be all in. Uh, we, we can't straddle the fence anymore. We can't be one foot with God, one foot out, one foot in the world, one foot with God. No, we got to be all in because we're walking into a season not just in our church but in our history of this country that is unprecedented. So here's what happened. Uh, a few years back, there was this mindset shift, and what happened was our culture said we need to get religion and God out of the cultural sphere because religion, God, um, is the reason for all the problems in the world. And so we became this postmodern, post-Christian, secularist culture where secularism was driving our perspective. And what we thought and what the, the culture thought was, man, if we just walk in secularism, then we'll be loving, we'll be inclusive, um, we'll be progressive, we'll be aware, we'll be enlightened. And what will happen is a utopia. If we just have this perspective, the church is out of it, religion is out of it, secularism is at the forefront. Man, if we just do that, we will achieve the peace and the utopia that this world really needs. And there was a moment a few years back where it felt like it was maybe working. And this culture got really proud of itself and and was feeling really good and was like, man, I I think we did it. I mean, look how loving we are. Look how inclusive we are. Look how progressive we are. Look look at how how our mindset has shifted and, and all these things. And there was this moment where they thought they'd done it. And then guess what happened? The political climate shifted. We became extremely divided. All of a sudden, Brexit happened in Europe. And now there's chaos. Nationalism popped up. Racism reared its ugly head. And before we knew it, our secularistic mindset and culture felt very chaotic. And the peace and the utopia that we thought we were moving towards looked like we'd actually gone backwards. We thought we were almost there, and then before we knew it, it looked like we'd gone back in time. And I want to tell you why. 
You see, here's what happened. This culture and secularism tried to build a kingdom without the king. And I want to tell you something. Anytime you tried to build a kingdom without the king, the kingdom will collapse. Because what you've built it on is sinking sand. And sinking sand does not last. And so what happened was the church, we actually, during this whole secularism movement and mindset, we started to get really afraid. And we're like, man, like, what, what, if, what if we aren't who we thought we were? And what if secularism is going to take over? And what if they are going to dominate? And what if we are becoming a thing of the past? And, and all of a sudden the church got scared and we got afraid. But I want to tell you something. God came in and he's allowed this season to give us an opportunity. You see, we aren't called to build an earthly kingdom. We're called to build a heavenly kingdom. And when we build a heavenly kingdom, we elevate the king to the place that he's meant to be as the king of kings. Not to mention this world that wanted peace and utopia, they don't realize that unless you have the prince of peace, you'll never find peace. And so today... Our indomitable future, something like, what does indomitable even mean? Let me tell you, the definition is impossible to subdue or defeat. You cannot be defeated. Let me tell you, I've read the end of this. We win. Let me tell you, our God is victorious, and he wants a church that walks in victory. He wants a church that wins every single day. And so I just wanted to challenge us today. Because I think we got scared. The church got scared. And we're like, oh my goodness, this culture, like what's happening? And now God's like, no, I'm giving you an opportunity. And now it's time for the church to step into and step up to what we were called to be. And that is kingdom builders, but not earthly kingdoms, heavenly kingdoms that elevates the king of kings to his rightful place. And when we do that, the peace and the utopia that this world is looking for will come. Now, I... I want to be honest with you, it's never going to come until he comes back and he puts everything right. But in the process, he's actually called us to be heaven bringers. Did you know that? That's why we pray the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be, be done on earth as it is in where? Heaven. We're meant to bring heaven to earth. And so even though we'll never arrive, I believe that if the church steps up and becomes what it's meant to be, we can begin to get little pieces of heaven here on earth. We can begin to build a heavenly kingdom here on earth. And a heavenly kingdom makes a city better. It makes a nation better. It rectifies that which is wrong and it restores that which has been broken apart. And so, man, I believe we have an amazing opportunity as the church. In this series, we have four weeks where we're going to talk about, and every week starts with a, a word that begins with the two letters of in. Here's the breakdown. Today we're talking about invested in God's kingdom. Next week, influential in this city. Week three, inspired to reach the world. And week four, inclusive of all people. So I want to invite you back because I believe these four weeks are going to really set us up for the future that God has for us. Now, the reason this is such a key moment in our church's history 
is because we are walking into a new building very soon. We, are, we bought a building in Old Sacramento. There hasn't been a church there in 100 years. God gave us this opportunity. Now, I know some of you are like, what's going on with the building? How many of you know that in building projects, there occasionally are delays? Come on, somebody. You know about this. And so, listen, um, we thought hopefully we'll be in by the end of the year, but it's looking like it's going to be January, February. I don't even want to commit to that. It might be the first week of March. But, listen, we'll be in soon, Okay. We actually got a good uh, report this week uh, about some permit issues that we were having. So come on, somebody. I need you praying. I need you focused. I need you believing that God's going to bring us to it. But hey, if it's January, February, here's what somebody gave us a word. And they said, look, the reason the building isn't done yet and why there's been some delays is because the church isn't ready. And so I believe these four weeks are all about positioning us and getting us ready. So we're ready to walk into this new season that God has for us. So I want to read Jeremiah 32. Before I do it, I want to give you some context. Because when I read this passage, uh, I felt like the, the 930 service, they all were just like looking at me like, what? Um, I've never preached this passage. I've actually never heard it preached. In all my years of pastoring um, and all my years of sitting in church, which has been many since I was a child, I've never heard it preached. But I want to read from Jeremiah 32. So here's what happens. It's 600 B.C., the nation of Israel has actually been divided into two. So there's Israel and there's Judah. They have a king over each. The nation of Israel, if you read Jeremiah at all, you see like the first 20 chapters are Jeremiah just going off about how horrible the people are. In fact, I'm in Jeremiah in my Bible reading plan right now. And this morning, Jeremiah chapter 8, I read it and it was like, you're sinful, you're idol worshipers, you hate your brothers and sisters, you take advantage of one another. It was super encouraging uh, way to start my Sunday. And... Uh, and so the first part of Jeremiah is just Jeremiah going off on them and how horrible they are, how they don't love God, they don't serve God, they don't follow God, take advantage of people, they swindle one another, they abuse one another, they're sexually immoral, financially immoral, all these things. And he says, so God's punishing us. And he tells them, he says, look, here's what's going to happen. The nation of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, are going to come in. They're going to take us captive. They're going to inhabit our land. They're also going to take some of us back to the nation of Babylon. And we're going to be their slaves, essentially, for the next 70 years. And so he's speaking this. It's already happened to Israel. Babylon has already occupied them. We come to Jeremiah chapter 32, and Jeremiah is locked up in the palace, or the, the guard, the court guard, because he keeps telling the king of Judah that, yes, you're going to be punished. Yes, we're going to lose. And Babylon, the, the, the nation and their army, are surrounding the city of Jerusalem. So they're all in the city, they're under siege, it says. I'm about to read it. Um, I want you to think, like, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. I want you to think the two towers and the siege that happens. That's the best of the three movies, by the way. Just want to let you know. Um, and they're under siege, and they're locked in, and they're like, look, we're, we're about to lose. And in this moment, God actually speaks to Jeremiah, and he says, I want you to buy a piece of land. And I want you to picture a city that's surrounded, a nation that's already been taken over. Um, they know they're going to lose the battle. They're under siege. There's armies all around them banging at their doors, banging at their walls. And God speaks to Jeremiah. He's like, hey, I want you to buy a piece of land right now. And I want you to do it with your own money. And Jeremiah's like, okay, I'll do it. So let's read. <laughs> Jeremiah 32.1. I think we're all together now. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah. So Zedekiah is the king of Judah. 
which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. He's the king of Babylon. At that time, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem. Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the guard that was in the palace of the king of Judah. For Zedekiah, the king of Judah, had imprisoned him, saying, Why do you prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am giving this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall capture it. Jump to verse 6. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Behold, Hanamamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you and say, Buy my field that is at Anathoth, for the right of redemption my purchase is yours. Then Hamamel, my cousin, came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, Buy my field that is at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field. So he buys the field. He gets the conditions of purchase. I'm going to jump forward. Verse number 14. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these deeds, so the pieces of paper saying that he now owns the field, both this sealed deed of purchase and this open deed and put them in an earthenware vessel that they may last for a long time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. Can we pray? Jesus, thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to us from it and give me the ability to share what you want me to share. May we leave here different and may we go all in for you, Lord. God, any of us that maybe have been on the fence with you, Pray we be all in. in. Jesus' name, amen. So I, I told you that this idea of our indomitable future is about us as the church walking into this next season that God has for us. I told you about this perspective that the world had, this secularistic mindset that they thought was going to achieve this utopia that fell apart underneath them. And I told you that we have an opportunity in this season as a church to step in. And Jeremiah actually presents a great example for us of following a vision from God that doesn't make sense to man. And so I want to tell you a little of our story. I don't think I've done this really fully. The story of Project Church. You see, we are seven, almost seven years old as a church. We're six plus as a church. And Eight years ago, my wife and I moved back to Sacramento, and we felt like the Lord told us to plant a church in downtown Sacramento. At the time, downtown, there wasn't a lot happening. It was a little depressed. Um, economically, there wasn't, you know, all, all kinds of things going on down here. There wasn't a lot of properties that, that were very appealing. And we felt like God told us to plant a church in downtown Sacramento, and I'm like, God, I don't know. And, and I had all kinds of people telling me why I wouldn't work. They're like, look, there's no parking in downtown. The people are spiritual, but they don't go to church. Um, you can't grow a church in downtown. No churches in downtown grow. There hasn't been a new church in downtown in a long time. And a lot of people telling us that, that it wasn't going to happen. And we had six of us, three couples. That's what started Project Church. Now on a Sunday morning between our two campuses, we have 600 of us. And I remember feeling like, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense on paper. Because not only that, they had just announced that the Sacramento Kings were leaving and were moving to Seattle. Nobody likes Seattle. And I'm kidding. Both my sisters live there. It's a great city. Um, and so we're in this season of like, it doesn't make sense on paper. But we felt like God had given us a word and we said we have to be obedient 
How many know obedience to God doesn't always make sense to man? Obedience to our Savior, to what God is asking us to do, it doesn't always make sense in the natural. But I also know this, that God is faithful, and he says, just be faithful as well. Just be obedient. I'll always be faithful. So we start the church, and every Sunday I would pray from the stage, God, help the king stay in Jesus' name. We need an arena in downtown Sacramento. And I mean, we would pray it. Now fast forward six years. The kings end up staying. They build an arena. There are cranes all over our city. They say 10,000 new residents in downtown Sacramento in the next five years. Um, We are on the upswing as a city. And I just say to God, God, thank you for positioning me, even though it didn't make sense to me. Thank you for for allowing me to walk in what you called me to do. Now, a year ago, in December, we came across a building in Old Sacramento. Now again, I'm like, God, Old Sacramento? Like, they got a lot of candy there. It's kind of weird. Like, there's the Railroad Museum, but a church in Old Sacramento. I actually, my brother sent me uh, that building first. And I was like, nah, bro, we're not going to Old Sac. And then we walked through it. And it had every box on the list. And I was like, wow, maybe this is God. And we prayed and we felt like God said, this is where you're supposed to be. So we bought the building. Two weeks later, they announced $50 million being committed to the waterfront in Old Sacramento. Our building appraised just a few weeks after we bought it for $2 million more than we bought it for. Because of what was happening in the Old Sacramento district. Fast forward a few more months, and now they've announced an MLS team where they're building a stadium in the rail yards five blocks from where our new building is. How many of you know God is always faithful, even if it doesn't make sense on paper? I wanted to tell you this because God may be asking you to do things, and in the natural, it doesn't make sense. In the natural, it didn't make sense for Jeremiah to buy a piece of land that he himself had prophesied for 70 years will be in captivity, and knowing that he would never actually see it. He never received the fruit from it, but he was doing, because, doing it because God had given him a godly vision. And godly visions always are better than man's perspective. Always. So I want to challenge you because some of you, God's asking you to do things. It doesn't make sense. I want to tell you, do it. Step out in faith. Be obedient because God is faithful. He's always faithful. So here's the thing that I want to do today. I want to challenge us that we would invest in building the kingdom. A heavenly kingdom. That we would invest in building a kingdom that is not of this earth. Because a heavenly kingdom will last forever, but an earthly kingdom will fade away. I love what's happening in downtown Sacramento. I love what's happening in old Sacramento. But let me tell you, a lot of those things, that's earthly kingdoms. And we're just one week, one day, one stock market drop away from a recession that could crumble an earthly kingdom. But I'll tell you this, the heavenly kingdom isn't affected or influenced by our stock market or by our bank account or by what the economy is doing. A heavenly kingdom continues to gain ground. And that's why as the church, we invest in that first and foremost. But you know what I love? Is that God uses the earthly kingdoms to also build heavenly kingdoms. 
when Christy and I started this church, one of the first videos we ever made, we said, we believe a, a physical resurgence is happening in downtown Sacramento, and, and we believe God is calling us to be a part of a spiritual, spiritual resurgence. That's what we're called to do. So as the economy grows and as building happens and as people move in, guess what also happens? An opportunity for a spiritual resurgence. But it starts with you. Everybody say you. Point at your neighbor, say you. Look at them. Look them in the eye. Investing to build the kingdom starts with you. Number one, you look beyond. What do I mean? You look beyond yourself. Jeremiah takes the long view. He sees a vision that he would never have chosen or experienced in and of his, himself, his flesh. He makes an investment in earthly terms that makes no sense. The crazy part is he will never see the fulfillment or the fullness of the promise that God gives him. In the same way, when we look beyond ourselves, sometimes we invest in the kingdom knowing that we may never even reap the dividends. But we're not doing it just for us. We're doing it for others. We're investing in what's coming. We're investing in the future. We're investing in future generations. So Jeremiah takes the long view. And I want to tell you, in Scripture, we see all the time people that take the long view. Prophets, preachers, teachers. We see Moses. He never gets to enter into the promised land. But he leads the vision of the people going there. Abraham, God says to him, I'm going to move you and turn you into a great nation. He didn't even know the land he was going to. He'd never seen it. He didn't know where it was. But he said, God, if you're asking me to go, I'll go. He took the long view. We need to be a church that takes the long view. And how many know this is hard in a culture that's all about instant gratification? That's all about the here and the now and what I want and how I want it. I mean, Amazon Prime is here. Same day delivery if you want it. Next day, I'm all about that Chick-fil-A. Last night, I was like, oh, I was feeling me a spicy deluxe chicken sandwich. So I rolled through, and I got me some Chick-fil-A. And let me tell you, three minutes, I was in and out, and I had devoured that, that sandwich. Some of you are all feeling that right now, but I'm here to tell you it's closed on Sunday, all right? <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw it in there. <laughs> Jeremiah was never going to personally benefit from the purchase of this field. What does he actually say? I don't know if you're paying attention when I read the end of this story, but he says, take the documents and put them in earthenware jars. What does that mean? Earthenware jars were meant to preserve the documents for long periods of time, decades, hundreds of years. Think Dead Sea Scrolls. These scrolls that lasted like thousands of years. Why? Because they were put in a jar that preserved them. In the same way, he says, take these documents, put them in earthenware jars, knowing that he would never receive the fruit of this land that he had bought. But why was he doing it? He did it. For the next generation, I want to tell you, we're investing in old Sacramento, not just for us today or next year or the year after, but for generations to come. For my children, for your children, for our children's children. We're planting roots. Why? Because we're looking beyond ourselves. I don't know about you, but I remember being a kid and, and imagining what I could be one day. And I love my kids because weekly it changes what they want to be. A couple of weeks back, my son wanted to be a veterinarian. This week, Kai wants to be a scientist. I was like, Kai, Daddy failed science. The periodic table, I don't do that. But he was like, Dad, I want to be a scientist. And I'm like, cool. He doesn't think about first grade. 
or elementary school or high school or where he's going to go to college. You know where he's looking? Beyond. One day I'm going to be this. And somewhere along the line, we stop looking beyond and we can only focus on the here and the now. Listen, I'm all about building our kingdom now. I'm glad that some of you are entrepreneurs and, and, and you're building your career and you're building businesses and you're building Instagram followers and YouTube channels. Like, that's all awesome. But let me tell you something. Those things will pass away. They will fade away. But the heavenly kingdom that we must look beyond to and we must build, it will last for eternity. And that's what we have to see, how we have to see as a church. Second, you grow deeper. Everybody say deeper. We grow deeper as the church, as God's people. And how many of you know that growing deeper always, always, I believe, starts with relationships. If you're going to grow deeper in God, you have to have relationships with the people of God. We say all the time that the kingdom of God is built on relationships. My wife and I, I believe she sharpens me as iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another or one wife. And let me tell you, when iron is sharpening iron, there are sparks flying. Come on. And me and my wife, those sparks fly. And, and they don't always feel good. And they're often uncomfortable because she challenges me. And I challenge her. And she challenges me more than I challenge her. And... The sparks fly, but let me tell you, I'm better as a result, and I'm thankful for it. In the same way, our brothers and sisters in Christ, they challenge us. I love, I'm a part of a community group every Thursday morning, 6.30 a.m. I get together with a group of guys. We study the Word of God together. It challenges me. It strengthens me. We need relationships. We need to grow deeper, and we grow deeper in relationships. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I love that. Spurring one another on. Helping lift one another. Propelling each other forward. What? Towards building our brand? No. Towards love and good deeds. Towards having a great career? Towards making a lot of money? No. Towards love and good deeds. That's what we spur one another on towards. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Some of you ain't been to church in a minute. Welcome back. This is where you need to be. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, when you grow deeper, guess what happens? You get stronger. How many want to be stronger? I mean, I, I love going to the gym. Not, not just so I can look good. I love going to the gym so I get stronger. As I get older, I, I got to strengthen my body more. Why? Because it starts to break down on its own. Age will do that to you. Uh, I, I get up a little slower than I used to. Complain to my wife about all my illnesses and aches all the time. But I got to get stronger. We all want to be stronger, but you grow stronger by being connected. I think about the redwood trees. You know redwoods are the biggest trees in the world. Massive. And you would think with the wind... And the storms that these redwoods would come down, why do they not come down? They don't come down not just because of their roots, but because their roots are intertwined with all the roots of the other redwoods. And these redwoods are actually holding each other up. It's not one tree's roots. No, it's multiple trees, roots interconnected, intertwined. And with the multitude, there is strength. 
That is an illustration of us as the church. We need relationships to strengthen us, to hold us up. Because how many know storms will come? How many know the wind will come? How many know challenges will come? But when you're together with one another, you are strengthened. So I want to talk to you quick about ways you can build the kingdom practically here in our church. You see, you build it by being a part of a community group. You go to projectchurch.com slash groups right now. Find a group for you. But I also believe, that was a nice commercial. I also believe, find a group for you. Hey. <laughs> I also believe that we grow by serving. And I just want to tell you, we've been prepping for this new building. They say that a church typically grows 20% when they, new, they move into a new building. So here's what we're believing. We're believing that we're going to grow. And some of you are like, I like our church the size it is. I get that. But how many of you know that every person, every number is a soul? And every soul needs Jesus. And that's why we want to reach more people and touch more people and draw more people in. Why? Because there are people in this world that are desperate and searching. And we have the answer. And we're creating a space where we can fit more. And we can reach more. And it's more inviting. And so I, I love that our church serves. And here's what we did. We've been doing the math with our team. Here's what we found. We need 150 more people to start serving for when we move into this new building. 150 more people. So I know some of you are out there like, I don't know, man. I don't want to be here every week. Uh, I, I don't want to get here like 6 a.m. Listen, you can serve in so many different ways. You could do it once a month, once every six weeks, a couple times a month. There are people that serve every week, but that's not an expectation. So on your way out today, we have a team fair and we have donuts to get you to stay, okay? We're going to serve you all donuts. And we just want to ask if you would consider, you would prayerfully consider maybe jumping on a team for this new season that we're walking into in this new building. But here's what I want to do. I want to invite some friends up. Come on up, guys. These are people that serve in our church. And I wanted you to hear a little from them about why they serve and how serving has impacted their life. And so come on up. You can walk faster. Don't be afraid of me. So I want you to introduce yourself, what team you serve on, how long you've been serving. Sure. Um, my name is Fredo. I serve the greeters, and I'm also, what's up, what's up? Um, I'm also um, set up and teardown. So I've been serving for about a year now, and I will say it's been probably the most uh, gradual experience that I could, you know, ever explain. Because I think the, what I experience is from an inward perception, so like, just getting closer to God and being able to uh, start building community and relationships, something that I was not, um, prior to, you know, coming here, that, that I was not used to. You know, I was used to just um, being in the same environment, which was not a good environment. I grew up in a pretty messed up household. Dad was an alcoholic. Uh, like, just tons of bad things happened to us growing up. But, you know, being in that, it makes you feel like that's normal. But in reality, that's not normal. Like... Being, uh, being here and seeing the, and just getting around people that just have just such beautiful hearts is, that's what's normal. That's the most hardest thing for me to uh, really um, feel. So um, that's, what's, that's what's changed for me in my heart is just getting around people that are really uh, gracious and wholesome. And I'm not used to that. So, yeah. So same thing. Talk, tell them your name, how long you've been serving, all that good stuff, and, and really what impact it's had in your life. Okay. 
I'm Becky. Um, I've been on a team about three or four weeks now. Uh, I started coming off and on from the beginning of this year, so I'm pretty new to the whole thing. Um, and I'm not religiously based, so I'm really new to all this. So I knew, like, that's, I'm religiously based, it's not. Um, so I knew that I needed to either go all in or just go away again. Um, and so I came a few times and then was like, okay, I'm going to just put my name on one of those little cards and maybe someone will call, and then they started calling. And I, I panicked a little because that meant I was going to have to commit. So um, I said yes to greeters. I'm a greeter. Guys, I'm a greeter. Um, so I said yes to greeters, and then Heidi was like, hey, you want to help? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. So I do part-time with Heidi and the kids, and then I do greeting. Um, and for me, it has been so wonderful because I didn't, I didn't know, I knew one person walking in and then was greeted by someone who was told I was coming. So I was like super unsure and not aware of what I should be thinking or doing. And so I wanted to feel wrapped up. And that's what this church has done. It has given me the ability to get to know people on a, a, a deeper level and make friends. And it's given me the ability to feel like I belong somewhere with people that believe that I can have a relationship with the Lord. So that's also super new. Um, but I'm super excited for the fact that I get to serve with people that are so excited to serve everyone here. It makes me want to keep coming back. It makes me want to keep serving. And even though I'm new at it and I'm literally not, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just wandering around following people. They are gracious and so kind and they just, come on, let me show you the next thing. And it's, it's so freeing to feel like there are people here that care so much about me and they don't know me that they come and they set up and they do this whole thing. And I want to give that back to the community that I'm now a part of. Wonderful. Thank you. Go ahead, Shanta. My name is Chanel. Um, I've been attending, I've been a member of Project Church for five years now, uh, serving in some capacity for four years, and on the greeters team for three years. Greeters. Um, um, I love being a greeter because it allows me to meet amazing people that I may have not come in contact with. Um, it gives me a purpose, and I'm able to serve, which is amazing. Um, and God calls us to be the hands and feet of feet of God. Uh, so it's awesome that, um, you know, that when we step out and calling and when we do what he asks, um, how he can use us. Um, and actually, uh, last year at the end of the year, I talk with my hands, I'm like microphone here. Uh, last year at the end of the year, um, at the end of the year, we write on um, our cards uh, a word for the year. And my word was sobriety. Um, and I want to stand here today and thank God that um, as of last week, I'm 11 months sober. Thank you. And I say that because if that isn't a testament of God, I don't know what is. Um, because to see where my life has been prior to these walls and coming in um, is totally different. And it's just amazing to see um, as you serve and as you listen to God and your calling, um, how he allows people to pour into you and come alongside of you, which in turn allows you to pour out to other people and be that light of God, um, which is an amazing thing. So um, with serving, I just encourage you guys all to step out in faith and uh, be the people of God and, and serve, and you never know how God can use you in your story for his story. Come on, give it up for these three. Appreciate you guys. Love hearing from people in our church that uh, God's touched them just by being a part and by serving.
If the band will come back, third today is uh, you move closer. If we're going to build the kingdom, invest in his kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, we got to move closer, closer to God. And let me tell you something. When you move closer to God, how many know you move closer to your purpose? When you press into God, he begins to show you and reveal to you what your purpose is. And one thing I've seen in this life is that most people are just looking for purpose. They're walking around and they're going, God, like, what's my purpose? What am I supposed to do with my life? Or they're just saying, what is my purpose? I don't even know if God is real. And they're looking for it. I've found in my life, the more I press into him, get closer to him, the more I walk in the purpose that he has for me. But here, here's the thing about moving closer to God. It means that you got to move away from something else. You see, moving closer to God means making a decision. Because when you press into him, you're pushing away from something else. I used to, I, I used to be a yes man. And what I mean by that is I would say yes to everything, any opportunity, anything anyone asked me to do. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Because I didn't want to tell people no. Well, what I realized is every time I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else. And so I had to begin to choose and be wise in what I'm saying yes to. And with God, we have to begin to say yes to the things of him because then it usually means we're saying no to things that often pull us away from him. It's a mindset shift. Jeremiah lays down his wisdom. He lays down man's skepticism. He actually makes it very public that he's buying this piece of land. And I'm sure the people are going, dude, we're under siege right now. You yourself have predicted like 70 years we're going to be captives. And you're buying a piece of land right now? This makes no sense. But he lays down his perspective, his mindset, and takes on God's vision for his people. Because God was wanting to release a new vision over the people. You know, I, I, I'm a big fan of, of basketball. And Michael Jordan, you know, he's the GOAT. And I, I listened to an interview with Michael Jordan back in the day, and he said, I, my goal was to score 30 points every game. And he said, I believe that if I score 30 points, we would win. And so they asked him, well, like, how do you do that? He said, well, I don't just go out on the court and say, I'm going to score 30 today. My mindset is I'm going to score eight points every quarter. And if I score eight points every quarter, then I'll actually score 32 points, but it gives me a little wiggle room if I come up short ever. You see, this mindset helped him to accomplish his goals. Here's what I believe. As the church, we need to begin to shift our mindset to a heavenly mindset that says, I'm here to build something different, not just an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly kingdom. My mindset is that everywhere I walk, I take heaven with me. I walk into my job and heaven's with me. I meet with my friends and heaven's with me. I go about my day and heaven's with me. I'm driving on the freeway, heaven's with me, even when it's hard or even during traffic, okay? And the Holy Spirit does leave between 5 and 7 p.m. in downtown Sacramento area, but he always comes back. I walk with heaven everywhere I go. We got to shift our mindset. That's how we're going to build the kingdom, the heavenly kingdom. And finally, you reach wider. Everybody reach out. Smack your name. Don't, don't smack them. Just reach out. So some of you have some pretty big wingspans, right? You reach wide. We want to be a church that is deep and wide. Here's what I mean. We dig into the Word of God. We grow together. We let the Holy Spirit release things in us and through us. 
We want more of him. We go deep. That's why we go verse by verse through books of the Bible. We're going through the book of Mark right now. And, and we love that. Why? Because we want to go deep into him. Deep into his word. But we also want to reach wide. Because there are people that are far from God, that are desperate, that are hurting, and we want everyone to know that they belong here. You, though, have to reach. Not just me, but us. We have to reach wider. Why? Because there are people all around our communities that we come in contact with every day, and they're looking for someone to grab a hold of them. They're looking for somewhere to belong. They've tried everything and nothing has filled the void in their heart. And they're saying, what am I missing? And we have the answer in our hand. Here's the thing, like my reach isn't very far. And I've done this before, but like this, I have a pretty, pretty long arms. But if Sam gets up and comes and reaches out, now you reach out. Now I'm a little further. Then, then she reaches out. Keep going. We could go to the back. Yeah, yeah, grab, grab, grab. I want to touch some babies in the back. Come on, Jesus. We're reaching all the way out. Look at how far we go. When we reach out together, when God's people are reaching out, we reach wider. Look, there's a baby back there. Touch that baby in Jesus' name. I saw it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, they did. Holy Spirit. She's the next president now. We reach wider. What if God has allowed everything that's happening in our culture because he's giving us an opportunity? I talked about this mindset that this culture had and I thought, get the church out, get religion out. Just, we just need to be secularistic in our mindset and then we'll, we'll have the utopia and it didn't work. It says in verse 3, Behold, I'm giving this city into the hand of Babylon. The king shall capture it. God allowed something to happen. Why? Because he had to get the people's attention so he could release a new kingdom that looked very different. And one day Israel came back into the land. They came back to this land that Jeremiah had bought and it was theirs. And then a king, a king of kings was born into this nation and his name is Jesus. In the same way I believe our culture has given us an opportunity church. An opportunity to step in and to say, we have the answer. We know what's missing. We're here to build a different kind of kingdom, a heavenly kingdom, a kingdom that will last forever. Jeremiah, he makes this very public display. Here's what I found. In my life, God can do more when I pour than when I store. And I get it. Like, I want, I'm all about planning and strategizing for the future, and, and I want to save, and and I love that we're storing things up. But some of us have stored so much and so often, we're completely full of ourselves. And God is saying, listen, you stored for long enough. It's time to pour out onto others. It's time to reach out onto others. It's try to, time to pour what I've given you. You want to know how you invest in the kingdom? You pour. You don't just store, you pour. And what I found is that when I invest, God always blesses. When I invest, God always touches. So I'm looking and I'm asking and I'm challenging us as a church that we would begin to invest in the kingdom of God. And some of you are like, okay, so, so you're saying you need to give to Project Church? If that's how God leads you, let me tell you, God has done amazing things in our church this year. You know in July of this year, we surpassed all of 2018's giving in July. You want to know why? Because we have a church, I believe, that's all in in this season. 
and, and God is doing something and stirring something us in us, up in us. You want to know how you build a kingdom? You serve. Is that the only way you build a kingdom? No. But I believe it's a great way because the local church is the hope of the world. And I believe when we come together, we gather together, we believe for greater things. We believe that God has brought us in this season to this place, in this opportunity, that we will do more for his kingdom. It's about being together. Our indomitable future. Let's build the kingdom of God. But I got to be honest with you. I think there's maybe someone in this room that say, would say, Caleb, I mean, that sounds good. Investing in the kingdom. Building the kingdom. But I'm not even a part of the family yet. I want to give you an invitation today. The Bible is clear that it is, all you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you are a part of his family. And so you're in this room and maybe for too long you felt like you didn't belong. You felt like you didn't have a place in this world. You felt like you were an outcast, that you had no family. I'm here to invite you today. Let's build the kingdom together, the heavenly kingdom. But first, some of you need to be adopted into the heavenly family. You need to say, I I'm a son, I'm a daughter of Jesus Christ. We need to start there today. Can we bow our heads across this place? This word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.